Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Before we dive in, I want to thank our listeners, especially those who took the time to give us a review. This one comes from Little Wretch, a grateful guest. Often, almost always in fact, those of us who survive cancer refrain from telling our stories because we don't want to spoil the party or become objects of curiosity or pity. The experiences that made us who we are cannot be spoken of in polite company. When the episode I appeared on was posted, I was afraid to listen. What if I made a fool of myself? What if I sounded like an attention-seeking crybaby? After finally having listened, I can confidently say that Andrea and her team have done an incredible and necessary job. Five stars. Well, little wretch, you were an incredible guest, and I'm so glad you finally listened to your episode. Thank you so much for that five-star review. Marcia Reese is a number one best-selling author, successful entrepreneur, and an innovator. In 2018, she founded Stay Well Copper, focusing on efficient, affordable ways to help people just like you stay germ-free without using chemicals. So interesting. Marcia, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. So you are a colorectal cancer survivor, correct? I am. So take us back to the beginning. When did this all start for you and did you have symptoms? What was going on at the time? I'm going to tell you a story about miracles happening. I lived in Chicago from 19... 99 until 2007. And I was in great health. I didn't even have a primary care doctor because I was in great health. And a friend that I had been dating at the time offered me a birthday gift of a trip to Cooper Clinic in Dallas. And it was a week-long stay. And the first portion of the stay was a complete medical exam. Every organ, orifice, and organ was examined. And then the rest of the week was Uh, seminars on how to live long and strong after one of those ages that ends with a zero. And I arrived late. My flight was late. And my next day I had a colonoscopy scheduled. I had never had one. My grandmother died from colon cancer, but I had never had any issues. So I wanted to cancel the colonoscopy because I had an early, I didn't want to get up that early and drink all that junk and be up all night. But someone inside said, drink the stuff, take the colonoscopy. So I did. And I had the colonoscopy the next morning and I awoke from it. And they said, you know, we'll call you. Uh, The doctor will let you know in a week or so what your results are and go enjoy your rest of your day. So I did. And about the next day at lunchtime, one of the nurses from his office tracks me down and says, Dr. Abrams would like to speak with you. Uh We knew right then what Dr. Abrams was going to speak with me about. He had no reason to call me into his very quiet, dignified, quiet office. 
And I walk into the outer room and of course they offer me tea and do you need anything? I say, oh crap, just tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh crap, I say in quotes. So I go into his office and he tells me that they have found cancer in my colon and I need to go to, I need to get to a colon rectal surgeon as soon as I get back to Chicago. Now, A, the first miracle is I even went there. I even took the colonoscopy because I didn't want to. But then after his news, I went back to my hotel room and I cried for 20 minutes. And then I just shook myself off and said, stop it. You still have cancer and now your eyes are all red and swollen and puffy and your head stuffed up. And I didn't have a a doctor. So I put myself together. I took a shower. I just thought, I'm going to forget about it until I get back to Chicago. That night, I went back to my hotel room and I got a call from a gentleman I had had a very chance meeting with in Chicago. He was the president of the Denver Board of Realtors and he knew I was in the process of looking to move back to Denver and I was looking for a, looking unsuccessfully for a home. So he had called me that evening and I remember the call and he said, hello, sunshine, how are you doing? I said, oh, Bill, it's good to hear your voice. I've just had a crappy day because I just found out I have colon rectal cancer and I don't even have a doctor. And now I've got to find a surgeon. He goes, it's all taken care of. I'll give you the appointment tomorrow. What? Uh-huh, exactly. So the next day he calls me and he said, you have an appointment with the number one colon rectal surgeon in the city of Chicago. And here's it. It was like six days later. I said, how did you do this? Because he used to be my next door neighbor when my wife and I lived in Winnetka. Now, is that a God wink? Wow. So, I don't know how I've had so many of these wonderful things in my life. There has to be a God watching out over me. So I go back to Chicago. I don't know this doctor. So I decided that my colon was going to write him a note. I believe in the power of thank you big time. It's gotten me so far in my professional career. So I sat down and I wrote a, a, a note from Marcia's colon. I, I know you see a lot of us, but I'm, I want to make sure you're wide awake and don't party the night before. And just the stupid stuff I wrote. I don't know what made me do it. And I threw him in the mail. So the next two days or so, we have our first ex- a visit before the surgery. And he says, in my whole career, and he's the number one colon rectal surgeon in Chicago. In my whole career, no one has ever sent me a note, much less one from a colon. From their colon. <laughs> it I exa- love it. It did exactly what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to know who I am and that this is a big deal to me. So that started a whole different relation, a rapport that he probably doesn't have with a lot of patients. Anyway, I was very, very, very lucky. They went in, they found the cancer had not gone through the colon wall. They took out 14 inches of my colon, all laparoscopically. I didn't have to have any chemo, no, nothing, I was done. I had to have a lot more colonoscopies, but that was the best cancer story your listeners are gonna hear. So first of all, go get your colonoscopies. And second, if you get one, <laughs> make your doctor a friend. Let me uh, let me ask you, because you said birthday ending in zero, how old were you when you had the colonoscopy? 50. Okay, so you were you were due for one. You I mean mm-hmm. you needed one. Yeah. 
I'm not crazy about going to doctors, but with my grandmother's history, I yes. I should have. Yeah. Yeah. So that came. So my other question, which is sort of unrelated to the cancer, but what made you want to go to this clinic for a week where a colonoscopy is part of it? Because I'm thinking spa, sure, or even a retreat where they, you know, where it's yoga and you get me up at 6 a.m., which would be horrible, but I would do it. But I can't think of a single thing that would convince me to go to some wellness thing where a colonoscopy is part of it. So how in the world... It was a gift from this friend who knew I was very, very active. I was always on the go. I didn't sleep a lot. And he knew I'd never take time to have a full, complete, top to bottom physical. Everything was different. And it was the most incredible gift anyone's ever given me because you're right. I would have never, I'll go get my manicure. I'll go get my pedicure. I'll have my massage. I'll do all that, but a colonoscopy? Oh, thank you, sir. But that was my gift for my birthday that year. <laughs> wow. So when you were going through this, um, who was your support system? He was. I was in Chicago by myself. Um, I guess it was probably him. And I didn't have much of a support system. And fortunately... You know, Andrea, I didn't need too much of one because things turned out to be as good as you could possibly hope for. Do you have kids? I do have two grown kids that were back in Colorado, which was why I was moving back to Colorado. They were both in graduate school. And I really try not to burden them with, oh, mom's got a colon issue. I mean, I, I try not to because I want them to enjoy their lives and not, and mom's tough. Mom can pretty much fight through most battles and they know that. Um, you did tell them. I'm sure I did afterwards. I didn't want them to worry before. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't tell them before? <laughs> Why? No, they what? were adults, right? No. Well, yes, but I didn't have anything to tell him yet. I didn't know what the outcome was. I didn't know if it was going to be, you know, there, there's a whole gamut of what that outcome could have been. After your surgery, what did they determine? What stage were you? I mean, taking out 14 inches is still a lot. Um, I'm sure it, I, 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 you know, it's been so many years ago. It was, um, let's see, how old am I now? <laughs> 13 years ago. So um, I'm assuming it was stage one because it had not penetrated the colon wall. And I think that still holds you in stage one. Okay. And no, like you said, no follow-up chemotherapy. No, nothing. And that's what, you know, how vain we are. I was in the bathroom thinking, oh God, I'm going to lose my hair. I'm not thinking about I'm going to die of cancer. I'm thinking I'm going to lose my hair. Oh, (laughs) I find that so fascinating, though, because everyone handles that issue differently, you know, not just women, but men, too. Everybody sort of handles that differently. And for some people, that's where they go right away. Um, You know, so I don't, you know, so what? If that's your first reaction, that's okay. I mean. Oh, and I just didn't want to be sick and out of the loop of life. I just didn't want to give up X months to a crummy disease. And I'm going to get on my bandwagon, if you'll let me, my soapbox the billions of dollars that have been donated for cancer research and this amazing country cannot find a cure. 
makes me nuts. So that's my soapbox. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's just our country in terms of finding cures. So, um, you know, yeah, you are lucky they caught it early, but you know that. I mean, but still, no, yes. one, no one should have to go through cancer. But the colorectal cancer patient I mentioned that I, I spoke to earlier today, I need to make sure like all of these get in the same month together, all these interviews. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he is in stage four. And he didn't really, he had some symptoms, but he sort of ignored them. And then it got to the point where it spread to his liver and he was having liver, essentially liver pain is what it was. And it was trying to figure out what that was that led to the actual cancer diagnosis. Oh, my heart goes out to him. I know that it's just, it's just a hard journey because you don't know what's going to be around the next turn. So you mentioned that since then you've had a lot of colonoscopies. So what, how often do you have to have a colonoscopy now? And um, have you had any scares since? Almost in every colonoscopy, they take out by, uh, polyps. And no, they've all been fine. Um, and I do think that since that happened, I have changed my eating habits a bit. I have a genetic sweet tooth. It my <laughs> Genetic? <laughs> It's terrible. I do. My whole father's side of the family, which is my paternal grandmother that had colon cancer. We all have, we, we love, we're from Iowa. We love to bake. We love to feed people. That's what Iowans do. And <laughs> I love sweets. And it's all one of my, that side of my family does. And I know sugar is a big fuel for cancer. But I also have cut down a lot on the meats that I eat. I don't eat near as much meat as I used to. Uh, because I have also heard that the gross stimulants that's in our meat industry can also be a trigger. Now, since June 1, I have been trying to give up sweets. And I've succeeded all but three days. Oh, God. <laughs> well, it I makes me so grumpy. But I... <laughs> Because I know it's not only my colon, but my whole body is better without all that refined sugar. But, oh, God, I could wrestle you to the floor for an Almond Joy bar. I it was just going to ask you, what's your favorite? <laughs> Almond Joy, although my last Almond name is Reese. I like Reese's, too. <laughs> Almond Joy, really? Oh, I love Almond Joys. And it doesn't have to be fancy Godiva or any. My husband loves C's candy, so. I've asked him not to buy any, or if he does, don't let me know where it is. <laughs> the only secrets we keep from each other is where's your candy stash? Because oh I'm irresponsible around sweets. Okay. Well, this totally leads me to another question. Um, you're married now. Were you not married when this happened? I was not. I was not. Okay. Way back in the 1970s, before you were born. I invented sidewalk chalk and brought it to market and grew it. No. I, I, yeah, I'm no. Lady. Yep, I did. And I grew it to five factories, two in Colorado and three in China. And then I was very fortunate to sell the company to the world's largest toy company. And it was quite a quite an event. And I made more money than I ever thought I would in my life. And then my marriage of 24 years eroded, it dissolved. So I was single for those 10 years that I lived in Chicago. A toy company in Chicago, the sixth largest in our country, 
uh, asked me to come in and run one of their divisions. And I did. And I, it was, it was so much fun. I just, because in my family, divorce is very verboten. I just threw myself into my work. I loved it. It absorbed me. It gave me the purpose. And I love product design and development and marketing. So I did that as a way to cope with the biggest failure of my life. So um, I was not married during those years, which probably is another reason I kind of cocooned myself a bit. Okay. How did you meet your husband? After 10 years in Chicago, uh, I had my first grandson. Um, and Aww. we used to go, I used to have, I would bring my daughter into Chicago one month, my son the next month, and the third month I would go back to Colorado. So we saw each other every month, which is as much as grown-ups want to see their mom. And then when Sweet Will was born, oh my, I just, I just could not be in Chicago. So I, that's when I started the search for the house back to Denver when I met the realtor in this restaurant. So I finally bought a home in Denver and I was, when I moved from Chicago, I gave my daughter power of attorney to close on the house. And then I drove with a college girlfriend, uh, we drove to meet the movers and to get the house settled. And when I got there, I noticed that the house had walnut hardwood floors and they had this weird staining all over them. So I called the realtor and I called the builder and I said, I don't know, could you come look at these floors? Because it was a brand new build. And they both agreed that the final cleaning crew had used some kind of an acid, somehow had gotten in their mop when they were cleaning these floors. So they put me up in a hotel and so I, until they refinished all the floors in the house. And so every morning and every lunch and every dinner, Mary and I would go to a different restaurant and we would sit at the bar to meet people, not to pick up people, but to meet people that- <laughs> is, that, is this in Denver now? Yes. God, I okay. had never lived in Cherry Creek, which is a section of Denver. And I wanted to get to know the, what the vibes were. Sure. And I met a lady in the bathroom of a restaurant whose sister was married to a Rockies baseball player. And she had come here from Washington, D.C. to help her sister open a shoe store. And she said, and I said, you know, we're about the same age. It'd be fun to make a friend. So we exchanged information and, and agreed that we would. So I, a few days later, maybe a week later, got this beautiful invitation in the mail for their fall preview show. So I thought, well, I'll go and I'll meet my new neighbors. So I go up there in Friday afternoon Talbots and I walk in and here's all these size zero, size two, Prairie Creek women with enormous breasts, big lips. I mean, I'm like, oh my God. So it's the LA essentially. It's oh LA. My God. The big Iowa farm girl and all the little tricked out princesses in Cherry Creek. And I'm like, where do I fit here? And I just shook my head and, and I did meet one lady whose only child had been killed in a medical malpractice. And she was telling me this unbelievable story. And out of the corner of my eye, I see these two impeccably dressed, well, one impeccably dressed, two men walk in, one impeccably dressed. And in Denver, you can do a multi-billion dollar deal in blue jeans and t-shirt. I mean, it's so casual. And it was very unusual to see this impeccable. And it just blanched through my mind what are they doing at a women's shoe store? And then I went back to listening to this story. And it wasn't, they were serving hors d'oeuvres and champagne in those little throwaway plastic champagne cups. And 
it was maybe a few minutes later, I get tapped on the shoulder and this very handsome man that I was referring to hands me a Lalique crystal glass full of Tottenjay champagne and says, a beautiful lady should never drink champagne out of a plastic glass. Ooh, smooth. I, said, I agree. Thank you. And so we start talking about the only thing I knew how to talk about, and that's my businesses and his. And he said, I've just opened a French restaurant next door. I'd like to invite you to come in. He was there pimping his restaurant to all these women. <laughs> With his bar manager, his bar manager said, there's all these women at the shoe store next door. We ought to go over and because they were just opening this fabulous restaurant. And I said, I saw the sign. French is my favorite cuisine. I will come over. So that's how we met. And the story gets crazier from there. <laughs> oh, I was that's awesome. I was, I had a full dating career in Chicago. I was done. I dated 59 men in 10 years. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I was done. <laughs> I, I, I think it's very cliche, but it definitely has been my experience. It's when you're not looking. Exactly. It's when you're not looking, you're not trying, you don't exactly. care. Yeah. I was done. <laughs> yeah. And that was 15 very, very happy years ago. How long have you guys been married now? We got married in 2010. Oh, wow. 12 years. That we met 15 years ago. Okay. I was very I was very cautious that so we dated for a few years. I was not. <laughs> I really didn't want to get remarried, but he's very traditional and he very much did. So. so. Well, Marsha, let me ask you this. We'll go back to your cancer journey. I know that you did not have as many treatments as many people have, but you still had cancer, and it still came as a surprise. What is one thing you wish you had known at the very beginning when you first got that news? Uh, in the very beginning, in the first hours, I the, the anxiety of not knowing what I was facing. I didn't know a lot about cancer. And certainly I didn't even have a primary care physician and I hadn't a clue where I was gonna start the journey. So I think just the anxiety of all the uncertainty. Okay. And if you could only do one thing to improve healthcare in the U.S., what would it be and why? Oh, boy, if I could improve healthcare in the U.S., I would, oh, this is not the answer you expect. I would encourage people to become more of their own advocate and to realize that doctors don't always have the answers. And sometimes we need to go back to more simpler, more holistic, more naturopathic type of cures. Um, not everything is cured with a pill and one pill causes another pill not to work. I'm not a big fan of pharmacological medicine. But I'm there. I other than I, I really do have for my age. I have the energy of a 15 year old. I feel 23 inside. All the parts that I have are original and they work. And it, that's a blessing. It's a lot more than I could say. I have to tell you. <laughs> 
I have so many girlfriends who have had new knees, new hips, new ankles. I'm like, I got all the old stuff and it still works. So I'm thrilled and blessed and I never lose sight of that blessing. Are you ready for the Thriver rapid fire questions? Yes. All right, here we go. Beach, desert, or mountains? 1,000% the beach. I'm the most creative around water. It lights me up. Me too. Me too. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Beach Boys. What is one word that best describes you? Tenacious. And before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? My Way. Well, now knowing that your husband is a chef, what is the last <laughs> meal that you want to eat? I don't care what it is, but it's more who it is with my husband and my kids and grandkids. That's my last meal. I don't care if they feed me worms out of a can, just that they're there with me is all that matters. Well, I think you answer the next one. The last person or people you want to see? Yep. Kids and grandkids. And the last words you will speak? I'm already missing you. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh. And aside from Cancer You, what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And also, please be sure to tell people how they can get in touch with you. Uh, I would say we are so blessed today to have a plethora of information at our fingertips. So I would definitely get very familiar with Google and then you've got to weed through the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I think that the resource that I would tell people not to ever overlook is learn as much as you can. If you've got something that doesn't seem right, learn about what you think you need to talk to your doctor about before you go in blindly. Yeah. And then my contact information is Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at staywellcopper.com. And I'd love to hear from your audience. Marcia, thank you so much for coming on today. And by the way, you look very lovely. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much. And I wish you all a wonderful weekend. Stay well, be blessed and stay happy. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.